Welcome to our community. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Don Butera. Good morning. How are you this morning? I trust that you've gotten your good worship in. I'm trusting that the Lord has touched your heart. I'm trusting that God has moved in your home. Uh, you know what? Take a second. If your child is sitting next to you, just put your hand on them for a second and just pray a blessing over them. Let's make this a holy time, a time, an event where, where God is moving in the homes. God doesn't look at Bali as separate things like in different homes. He sees one big room of people and he hears the cries of his people. So anyways, we're going to get into right into the scriptures. We are in a new series called Rebuilding Among the Ruins. And uh, we, we're looking in Ezra. And we looked at last week at Ezra in chapter 3 and how the first thing that they did to start rebuilding was they built the altar. They had to look for the foundation. They had to dig through uh, the, the rubble. They, we have to dig through things in our life and find the very foundation in which to build the altar, which is our relationship with God. And we need to build that relationship with God. It starts at the altar. That's the first thing. Before anything else, we build our relationship with God. And then we saw that it's really two things. It's both the relationship with God at the altar and then they kept doing sacrifices. And what that is, is they kept doing offerings up to God. They kept uh, doing burnt offerings, which means uh, to send up to God. So their prayers, everything was going up. It was a continual worship. It wasn't something they did once. They continued to meet God at the altar. And what's very interesting about this is it says that when they built the altar, they didn't build the walls, they didn't build the temple, they didn't even start with their homes. They started with the altar and it says they built because they were afraid of but they were afraid of the enemies around them because the enemies did not want them to rebuild the city especially they didn't want to rebuild the altar and uh, if you if you don't know this actually they built the altar continuous sacrifice so it means the smoke was going up all day every day and the enemies were able to see it and actually it was almost 150 years later that the walls of Jerusalem were built. And so they were unprotected, <laughs> unprotected at least with the walls for 150 years. But God, when we build the altar, when we build our relationship with God, when we start rebuilding uh, uh, and we start with our relationship with God, that is what will keep us. That is what will protect us. And so we're going to keep going in chapter uh, Three, and I saw this very, very interesting thing. That's why I had to st uh, stop and look at it. And we're going to talk about it today. And it's basically talking about the reaction of restarting. You know, I mean, this season right now, people, are, some are starting, some are waiting. Everyone's trying to decide when to start, you know, and some people start and people shake their heads and some people are happy. Some people are afraid. Some people are, uh, are uh, you know, criticized. And so in, in this chapter, in chapter 3, verse 10 through 13, they rebuild the, the, the temple. And I want you to look at this restart and look at the reaction of the people. We're going to look at that. 
And so it says, I want to read in chapter 3, verse 10, it says, When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments, when with the trumpets and with the Levites, with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, the king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang out to the Lord. They said, God is good, or he is good. His love towards Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord. I have a feeling when we meet again uh, here uh, together on a Sunday morning, I believe there's going to be a great shout just like this because his love does endure forever. And that's what's going on here. And it says, uh, they gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. So there's this whole restart is going on. But many, listen to this, but many of the older priests and the Levites and the family heads who had seen the former temple, they wept aloud when they saw the foundation of the temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. And no one could distinguish the sounds of the shouts of joy from the sounds of the weeping because the people had made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. And so what we see here is we see these kind of two sets of people looking at the exact same thing, but having two different reactions. When, when someone starts something, when someone starts something new or even rebuilds something, there is always that kind of reaction. There's a reaction of, of joy and then there's a reaction of apprehension or hesitation. Some are sad, some are happy. There's always different reactions. And here we see two sets of people. We see some reacting sadly and some reacting with great joy. I can tell you this as, as a practical thing. We have experienced this even as we have thought about getting back together because, uh, and honestly, I have been probably one of the ones who have wept because I realized that we're not going to be able to do what we used to do, at least at the beginning, and others are just excited to be back. And we're going to have these different reactions when we begin uh, to start again. I can tell you this, that we are moving forward. Even if we can't meet on Sunday mornings, we are looking at ways to continue to advance the gospel, and it will look different. And when it looks different, there will be different reactions. And here we have two different kinds of people. So now it says here, it says the older priests and the Levites uh, and the family heads, they were the ones that wept. It's interesting because when you look at the history here, you realize that these guys, they had to be old. They had to be up in their 70s because that's how long ago the old temple was uh, built and it was destroyed after that. And so these are like the, excuse me, these are the old people that are looking at it and they're weeping because they remember the former uh, temple and they said, oh, the former temple was so amazing. Now, I'm not saying it wasn't. I'm not saying it was, but I find it interesting because I want to ask you a question. Have you ever noticed, have you ever gone back to uh, the house that you played in when you were a little kid? Because these guys were probably kids, young people, very young. 
Have you ever gone back to your house? I remember I went back to the house that I grew up in. I mean, we used to play, we used to play basketball in the kitchen. When I say that, you think, wow, it must have been a big kitchen. It really wasn't that big. But we were small and we had fun in the kitchen. We used to play, you know, soccer and football and we played all kinds of games in this house. And it was so small. I remember the first time I went back after many years of uh, being away and I walked in, I went, wow, this is so small. I looked in the backyard and the yard was just so small, but we played all kinds of games. Why? Because we were small. And this is something that we need to remember in a restart or when we start building something new. Things always look bigger when we look back. Things tend to always look bigger when we look back. Now, and that's even true for past hurts. Some of you are struggling with past hurts. They're, they're, they, they're huge in your life now. And because when you think back, you say, whoa, that was so life-changing for me. When we look back, a lot of times we kind of strip out all the other parts of the event and we concentrate on one feeling or on one thought. And when we do that, it becomes bigger. Things, uh, they, don't, they don't just look, you know, we, we say this, some, especially older people will say this, oh, I remember the good old days, the good old days. You know, back, way back when, when, when people could do this, or people could do that. Things were not as violent or as crazy back then. You know what? Some of that is true, but some of that is absolutely untrue. We forget that like back in this time or, or back to when, like say, when Jesus was walking the earth, that was the Romans were in charge. They had brothels, they had prostitution, they had uh, homosexuality. It was all there back then. We say, oh, it was so much better, you know, years ago. You know what? A lot of times when we look back, it's actually a false look. And when we dwell on them, they just become bigger. And then as, you know, older generation, we tend to look at the younger generation. We say, oh, this younger generation, they, they're not like us. They were so, you know, this and that. They're, they're so like uh, lazy. That's one of the big ones we always say. They're so lazy back then. And now I think of people that I'm watching, some of these young people. And they are not lazy at all. They're working hard. They're doing everything they can to make a living. And, uh, you know, and so it's not true. But we, we tend to think this because we were the last generation. And what we have in this whole uh, passage here in chapter 3 is actually we have basically a generational view or a, a ge almost a generation gap type thing going on here where we have the older people looking one way and we have the younger people looking the, uh, in a different way. And so the older uh, generation, they kind of look at it from eyes of the past. The younger generation, they don't have that past, so they look at the eyes of the future. Very interesting passage. And so I just want to share a few principles and some really helpful things that will help this generation. So I want to talk to the older people and I want to talk to the younger generation and I want to talk about this, this viewpoint and how we can end up all rejoicing together rather than having one crying and one, re, one, one rejoicing. The first thing is the principle to the older generation we need, to, we need to let the next generation express their love to God in the way that they do. Now, you know, 
I don't know if this temple was bigger or smaller. It says they built it on the foundations of the temple. So how could it have been smaller? They built it on the foundation. If the foundations were already there, they probably, it was probably the same size. But maybe they built it a little differently than the way we build. Maybe they do things a little different than the way we do things. For example, uh, some of the older generation, they don't like the new music that uh, the, the, the worship teams do, the younger generation, the way they worship. They don't like the way they do that. They don't like the, way, the emphasis on certain things. How come we never talk about the fear of God anymore? These kids don't have any fear of God in their life. We have these kind of thoughts, and yet they're just expressing themselves in a different way. And God bless them. They, 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 they have a love for God. And it's important that we allow them to have this love for God. Oftentimes we think that, that what works, I'm speaking to the older generation, and I don't know if I'm supposed to include myself. Uh, so I don't feel like I'm old. In my mind, I'm still 15 years old. But, you know, my body sometimes tells me I'm not. And so, but oftentimes, the older generation will think that what works yesterday will work today. We, what works today will, you know, what we're doing today will work tomorrow. But that's not true. I've talked to so many uh, young people, and if you're in this spot, uh, some of you older guys, listen up. Some of the sons and daughters, they take over the business of the, of the father and the mother. And they, they struggle because they see the way that you do things and they, they know the way that things are. They have an instinct about the generation today and they're trying to make changes and it's so hard for them to make changes because the way we did business before is the way we always did. And by the way, when I say that, you know what I think of? Blackberry. Where's the Blackberry phone now? doesn't exist. Why? Because they didn't change. And when we don't change with, uh, with the times, I'm not saying change the gospel. I'm saying change the way. When we, when we don't change, we will uh, pass away and our businesses will fall. And sometimes we have to be listening to the younger people because they have ideas. They have ways that we haven't even thought of. I can't tell you how many times, I don't have my phone on me, that I look at my phone and I, and I pass it over to Lauren or someone, someone younger than me and say, how do you do this? And then they say, you got to get that app. And I'm like, another app? Give me the app. I don't even want to do it. I let them do it because they have ways that I don't know about. So we have to allow them to make changes. Despise not the day of small beginnings, the Bible says. We have to allow to make, let them make changes. Now, principle to the younger ones. The youngers need to build on the foundations of the wisdom of the older generation. Oh, not that the older generations, a lot of times I see these younger people, they just th want to throw everything away. Younger people, there is a scripture, very, very interesting scriptures. It says, be careful before you move ancient boundary stones. There are certain stones that have been put in place by the older generation that should not be changed. 
And we have to be very careful when we change them. I'm not saying question it. I'm not saying discuss it. But we need to be really careful because the older generation has laid down some things that are so important for the young people. And that's usually what's happening. The older generation is saying, don't forget, don't forget. And the, old, and the younger generation is saying, we need to change, we need to change. And that's why they're arguing, why one is yelling and one is crying and one is rejoicing. That's what's happening here in the scriptures. And so the younger, you need to look for the wisdom that has happened in the older generation. See, like I talked about last week, Picture the city. It has been destroyed. It's, 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 it, there's, 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 there's rocks and, and broken things everywhere. We don't, they didn't just, when they rebuilt, they didn't just throw everything away. They looked for the foundations that were left from before. Your parents have some good advice. Now, sometimes it might not be the advice you need at the time because it's a different way now. But you be careful. Make sure you listen uh, to your older, the older generation. And even as I say that, I'm talking to my kids too. You need to listen to me and your mom. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, but it's true. And so, you know, the, the older, you know, you don't have to stop the younger uh, from pushing, pushing, uh, you know, pushing things away. But we need to be careful and, and guide them when they start making those changes. So the Bible's clear, older generation. We are supposed to pass down the truths. Pass down the truths. Listen to what I'm saying. Pass down the truths from generation to generation. So younger people, you have to ask yourself this question. Is what my parents giving me, are they giving me, is, is, is what they're giving me, is it truth or is it tradition? If it's truth, don't throw it away. Keep it. Hold on to it. Use it. It will help you build wisely. If it's tradition, okay, maybe we need to push that away. And the older generation, we need to look. Are our kids pushing away some of the traditions that we had? Or are they pushing away the truths? There is a difference. And we need to be careful to understand what they are. Now, it says... Some cried for what was lost. And I'm telling you, this is not just for the older generation. Some cry for what was lost. Maybe you're young and maybe you lost your boyfriend. Uh, maybe you're middle age and you lost your business. Maybe, you know, there's so many ways that you can lose things. Listen to this. If you continue to think about what is lost, you won't stop looking for what can be. If you keep on looking at what is lost, you will never look forward and look on to what can be. So here they are, united together, these tears and these cries. And, it, and again, if we keep looking back, we will never move forward. You know what's interesting, uh, older generation? These older people that were looking at the temple and were crying and saying, oh, it's not what it was. There's a prophecy about the new temple. It says the glory of the former will be greater than the glory of the latter. And so this is what we need to say to ourselves. What they're building now, there's probably going to be greater glory in that than what we had before. And we should rejoice in that. 
And then again, I'm going to speak to the younger. You have to learn from the past. And you have to be thankful for the past, but you don't have to build upon the past. Listen to that. I'll say it again. You need to learn from the past. You need to learn from your parents. You need to learn from the other generation. You need to be thankful for what they've given you. Thankful for how they've, they've, uh, they've passed down things to you. But that doesn't mean you have to build like from the past. You can build upon the past. You build on top of it. Okay? Philippians 3 says this. Paul said, I focus on one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race, receiving the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, has called us. So we need to press on towards the mark. Now, I want to close with two different uh, questions. First question is, how do we rejoice when the future doesn't look as bright as the past? How do we rejoice when the future doesn't look as bright as the past? So some of you have lost things. And you go, oh, the future, it's not going to be what it used to be. Oh, you know, and there's so many different, there's brokenness everywhere. Maybe even you have a broken marriage. And you feel like the future is never going to be as bright as the past. How do we rejoice when the future doesn't look as bright as the past. Three things. First, rejoice as you see the torch passed to the generation who are hungering for God. Rejoice when you see just the littlest spark being put in the younger generation that moves on. Rejoice when you see just the spark in the future of a new truth, a new glory that maybe you didn't see in the past. Rejoice in that. Look at the things that are true, that are lovely, that are of a good report. Don't look on the things that are, that are of the past and say, compare all the time. That is not going to get you into the future. So rejoice when you see, when you see a younger person, when you, when you see your child or, or a younger person worshiping God. Oh, it might be different worship than we used to worship to. It might be a different way than we used to do it. But when you see them hungering for God, praise God that the torch is being passed. Number two, Rejoice that something new is being born. Although it's different, God is being birthed in the hearts of the next generation. So even though it's different, even though your child might be changing the business that you started, even though your child might be, might be even uh, totally revamping and rechanging the way you used to do business, rejoice in what is going to happen, that there's a new birth being done. New birth is a beautiful thing. We love new birth. And so rejoice when you see a new thing happening in your city. This is what we've been doing here in ICC IFGF. We have been saying, okay, maybe we can't do it the way we used to do it. Maybe we can't meet the way we used to meet. Okay, now it's time to see what God is birthing. What is the new things that God is doing that is going to cause a great glory to come? Number three, rejoice that even if it doesn't look exactly the same way as your way. Ah, say it again. 
Rejoice, even though it doesn't look exactly the same as your way. You played a part in passing down that hunger. You played a part. It might be the littlest part. This is the thing that we never, we, we always forget. You know, okay, you see me up here sharing and you're saying, wow, I wish, you know, I wish I could. I, maybe you don't say, I wish I could speak like Pastor Don. I, I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I want to be the person in front. I want to be the, the worship leader. I want to be the, you know, I, look at them. Well, what you don't know is there's one person here and there's three people behind there doing all the work. And there's other people who set things up. There's, there's, there's other people who are editing. There are other people who are doing seven other things that you don't know about, that you'll never know, and that you'll never see. But they share in the part of spreading the gospel. That's why it says, whatever you find your hands to do, if you're sweeping a floor for the glory of God, if you're, if you're giving out simbaco, in the name of the Lord. It doesn't matter. Whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord as do it as unto the Lord. Don't, and you play a part. You play a part. I could tell you story after story of people who never like played the, uh, was the initial contact, but they did all the work to make sure that someone heard the gospel and they play a part. Remember, as long as you see it happening, it might not be exactly the way you like it, but you play a part. Now, how, the second question, how do you rejoice when those before you are crying over the progress? How do you rejoice? So when you're trying to start something new and you got people reacting sadly, they're like, oh, it's not the way it used to be. It doesn't look as good as it was. I remember, oh, I remember the days when we did, you know, all those, all those thoughts that you hear. How do you rejoice in the midst of that? Maybe there's someone out here who's trying really hard and their parents are over them and no matter what they do, their parents will never be rejoicing. How do you rejoice in that? Well, I'm going to try to give you some thoughts. First, be filled with thankfulness that those who were before you only desire the best and brightest for you. Most of the time, parents, they, they may have gotten messed up. They may, have, they may not fully understand. They may be pushing you in the wrong way. The, 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 the generation now might be pushing you in a, in a way that, that is hurting and, and they're, they're overbearing or whatever. I can tell you this. They, ha they, they want the best for you. There's a cry in their heart that wants the best for you, even though it doesn't come out right, even though maybe the way it comes out is critical, even though the way it comes out might, might be discouraging or they might be crying when, when you say they should be rejoicing because you got, a, you got a, a B and you didn't get an A, but it was, the B was great for you, but they're crying that you didn't get an A. They actually want the absolute best for you. Listen to the cry of their heart. Sometimes it's better than the uh, voice that sometimes they say. You know, there was a, a coach. I really like this coach. is Doc Rivers. He was the coach of the Celtics and just recently was the coach of the final, one of the teams in the final four this past season in the NBA. He was being interviewed and he, he, he wasn't always liked. He wasn't always liked. But this is the quote. I like this quote. He said this. He said, I'm not going to coach you 
to who you are. I'm going to coach you to who you should be and who you can be. And this is one of the reasons why sometimes we struggle with the, next, the last generation and we struggle with our parents because I can tell you this from personal uh, thoughts. I see my kids and I see their potential way before they ever did. And I see how amazing and how great and how talented they are even before they know it. And so sometimes I'm talking to the person I know they can be rather than the person that they are. And they get, dis- they get discouraged by that sometimes. Trust me, don't get discouraged because the parents and the last generation, we, have, we want the best for the next generation. We want it to be the brightest. We want it to be better than ours. Number two, how do you rejoice when those over you are kind of weeping at your progress? See what is in front of you and embrace it with joy and passion. So I like this thing. It says, it says the, the older people were crying, but the younger people, they were rejoicing as loud as the crying. So they were looking at the, they were looking at the, uh, yeah, they were looking at the, the same thing And they were excited because they saw what can be. And they were not listening to the cries. They kept rejoicing at what was in front of them. They were rejoicing that God is good and that his mercy endures forever. This is the beauty of it. And so don't always listen to the cries. Rejoice louder. And finally, finally, embrace the truth that it is your time to shine. Embrace the truth that it is your time to shine. I'll say it this way. It is your time. Next generation, it is your time to carry the torch. It's your time to shine. It's your time to have passion. It's your time to rise up and cry out. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. His mercy is wonderful. It's your time. Take the torch. Start building. Don't listen to the cries and don't listen to the complainers. Don't listen to the haters. Just go after it and watch what God will do. I want to pray today for both generations as we close. I want to pray for both generations, but I want to pray especially for the next generation. So I'm going to pray for the first generation, and then I'm going to pray for the next generation. Father, I guess I'm in the, this, the, I'm in the older generation, so Father, help us to see what you are doing in our younger people, in the younger generation. Help us to see it, Lord God. Help, help us to see them the way you see them. Help us to say the right things, to do the right things, Lord God, that will spur them on to faith and good works. Help us not to discourage them, Lord God, uh, at what they're doing and, and remind them of how great we were, but rather tell them how great they are. And Father, I pray for this next generation. I pray, Lord God, that Lord Jesus, they would press on to the high calling of Christ Jesus. Father, I pray you would empower them right now, that they would not be discouraged by this season of, of, of drought, Lord God. That, Father, they would rise up and they would begin to proclaim the gospel louder, higher, with greater intensity. Father, they know the internet way better than our generation. They know how to do the social media. Father, I pray that they would proclaim the gospel throughout all the world using every technology that they know. Father, encourage them. Build them up in faith. And Lord God, let us all rejoice together in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.